Tag Box Talk, and this is Horse Stories with a Purpose. Who are we? We are equine educators, but we are owners. We are judges. We are competitors. We are coaches. We are volunteers. We are moms. We are horse owners just like you, and we want to share our horse stories with a purpose. to Extension Horses Tack Box Talk Series, Horse Stories with a Purpose. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Heine with Oklahoma State University. And today we're going to be talking about horses getting a new lease on life a little bit later on in their career. So our guest today is uh, Laura Kenny, who is an extension educator with Pennsylvania State University. And Laura, you're a first timer, aren't you? I am, yes. So we're very excited to have you here on the podcast today. So you're going to be telling us about Frankie, who you adopted at the age of 20. So tell us a little bit about Frankie. That's correct. Yeah, Frankie is a, she's currently 21, 21 year old standard bred mare. She, she had race training, but she never raced. Um, She was a trotter. And Instead of going to the racetrack, she went to Rutgers University and she lived out most of her life there as a research mare. So she knows how to run on the treadmill and run on an equine exerciser. Um, She's done all sorts of cool stuff there. She's taught a lot of students how to handle horses. She's really seen it all, which is really great. Um, She was one of my research subjects when I did my pasture, uh, pasture research there. So she got to eat grass for a long time. <laughs> I was going to say, what kind of, um, what kind of things did Frankie study while she was in Rutgers? <laughs> well, when I did my graduate research there, I was comparing rotational and continuous grazing. So that was a particularly easy study for her. All she had to do was eat grass. Um, she participated in some other grazing studies while I was there. She worked on the treadmill doing exercise and nutrition studies. Um, While I was there, she was in a study looking at different types of hay feeders. Another one that was probably pretty exciting for her. (laughs) So it might help our listeners to know that a, a lot of horses, you know, I think people get scared of horses being in research programs, but sounds like Frankie had a pretty sweet deal as a research animal. Yeah, I would tend to agree. I mean, I, I think she and I arrived at Rutgers the same year when I was an undergrad and when she uh, arrived as a research horse. So I'm pretty familiar with most of what she did while she was there. And honestly, I think she had a pretty great life. What led you to reconnect with Frankie? So obviously you're not at Rutgers anymore because you're out on your own. Um, and yeah, tell us about how you guys got hooked back together. Well, in summer of 2020, I heard from uh, Dr. Carrie Williams, who runs the, re- the part of that, Dr. Carrie Williams, who Frankie was part of her research herd at Rutgers, and there was an opportunity to adopt her. So I went for it. So you, you knew Frankie, I guess you were sort of fond of Frankie then from her, from your I time was. together. Yeah, Frankie was one of those horses that the students either absolutely loved her or they really didn't like her very much. Oh, no. She had a bit of a personality. She could be a little bit spicy sometimes. Okay, so <laughs> spicy. What? Yeah, tell us a little bit why they wouldn't like her. 
oh, she's just, she is the horse that could test the beginners to find out what she could get away with. A lot of the other horses were just absolutely perfect angels all the time. Frankie was the one that would maybe go try to snatch some grass while they were walking her down the laneway. Well, it and, sounds uh, like that was her job though. Like we needed much. to know what Frankie wanted to eat. This is important data. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> so as a trained eating horse, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> simply doing what we wanted her to do. It's her job. So you adopted Frankie at the age of of 20. And I assume that you were not adopting her because you wanted to carry on your own private research program. That's correct. Nope. Purely as a, a personal pleasure horse. So what were your goals for Frankie uh, leaving academia at the age of 20? Um, I kind of was just going to let her tell me where she wanted to go. Um, you know, if I can ride her, that would be an absolutely wonderful bonus. But the way I saw it, I was just giving her a retirement home. The fact I've, I've had her since October of 2020, it's now January. I've been on her a couple of times. We did a lot of groundwork and um, she had her first ride a month or two ago. And she's just doing great. All of the, the work she did while she was at Rutgers, she loves to work absolutely loves having a job. So, so she has been really wonderful to train. Frankie is learning to be ridden now at the age of 21. That's correct. So I'm going to be really honest here. Most people would probably not undertake that endeavor on that of an age of horse. Not that Frankie, like we assume Frankie's going to live a lot longer, but <laughs> what kind of inspired you to say, yeah, 21, let's start something like this. She's in great health. She absolutely loves having a job. And, you know, the way I thought of it was your older horses, they should be having some sort of regular exercise. I'm not planning on taking her to a, you know, Rolex or anything, <laughs> but if I can get her exercising regularly, um, doing trail rides, just, you know, light work here and there, that's, that's going to be good for her as well. So she was a, or well, she still is, we can't change breed as they age. So she's a standard bread mare. Um, that you said she had, she hadn't, didn't race, but she'd done some training. So she had been trained to pull the, the sulky then for yeah. harness racing. So how is she taking to under saddle riding? And, and I guess tell us, you know, are you riding her Western English? What's going on here? So I'm riding her English. Um, I started out doing everything very slowly groundwork, um, you know, introducing the bridle through, uh, long lining ground driving. So she was pretty good about ground driving, unsurprisingly. <laughs> and when I'm on her, she's very hesitant still. So she knows the voice commands very well from lunging. So she's always listening, always paying attention for those voice commands. So the, the transition from voice commands to, you know, trying to introduce leg has been interesting. So she's still learning that she likes to stop a lot. Anytime she feels like she's not quite sure what she should be doing, she stops. Um, but you know, that's, that's a pretty good bucking. problem to have. Yeah. <laughs> she's just, she's so into it. She loves, um, learning. She likes working and she's, you can just see, she's got such a little focused look in her eye the whole time you're working. So riding a standard bread, again, this is not something that that many people have undertaken because they're, they have a little bit different style of movement to them than your typical under saddle horse. Mm -hmm. 
She does have a really cute trot. I haven't ridden it yet. It is big. But just from watching it on the lunge, I'm like, wow, that's that's going to be a big trot. Um, her walk is big, too. She oversteps quite a bit. It's pretty cool. So she actually she's a pretty nice mover. Um, again, haven't done too much with her under saddle yet, but I think it's going to be fun. I've seen plenty of maybe not plenty, but, you know, just through my my Facebook world of the horse groups that I'm in, I see plenty of people working with standard breads, you know, trail riding, dressage, jumping, the whole nine yards. Well, I'll confess probably the area of the country that I have lived in didn't have a whole lot of standard breads there to start with. So um, I haven't seen a single one and I'm sure they're out there. So you don't have to tell me, yes, they exist in Oklahoma, but just not one of our top breeds here. Yeah, that's understandable. So let me ask you maybe some personal questions. When you were considering getting a horse that was 20, I mean, that's generally past the age that a lot of people think of as, you know, bringing in a new horse into their home. So yeah, tell us about that decision and and what you thought about adopting an older horse. Well, a lot of it came down to the fact that I've known that horse for 15 years. That horse was I mean, she and the rest of them, maybe not her in particular, but that herd of horses was instrumental in me ending up where I am now. You know, I worked with them through undergrad. I worked with them for my graduate degree. And, you know, I did felt, I felt a little degree of, um, what's the word, just that I owed it to them, you know? So it was definitely not a decision of like, oh, I'm looking for a sport horse and I want to go show with this horse. Um you know, she needed a home and I wanted to offer it. So I assume you have property then, or are you boarding Frankie right now? I'm boarding her. So were the, the stable owners, uh, pretty willing to take in a, an older horse from a little bit different background? Oh yeah. The barn owner loves her. <laughs> she has one other, um, mare there and she's also on the older side. So they get along great. Now approaching Frankie, again, a lot of people are always like, well, this is what a horse knows. And we don't really um, think, you know, I'm going to say, you know, teach an old dog a a new trick. A lot of people don't think about that with them. Do you think she has learned any differently or um, the approach has to be different with her when she's 21? Honestly, I think she's easier to work with because she's 21. She's been there. She's seen that. The fact that she did so much different neat stuff at Rutgers, um, she really is fairly bomb-proof. I mean, she not too much phases her. The only thing she doesn't like is when she's separated from her buddy. But she's been learning new things her whole life. So I think this is just another thing to check off. So you don't think that, you know, her age is at all an impediment then to her uh, starting under saddle? No, not at all. She seems to really enjoy it. So Laura, what would your advice be um, for people that are, you know, looking to add a horse to their life? And it sounds like you went a little bit of a non-traditional route. So yeah, just what would you tell a a horse owner that wants another horse? Um, Especially if you're going to be adopting an older horse, be flexible. You know, don't necessarily approach it with really strict rigid goals in mind that, you know, I'm going to be on this horse and we're going to be riding 
you know, doing competitive trail rides or, you know, showing within any certain amount of time, let them tell you what they want to do. You know, they might not be as willing to learn new things. So be flexible and, you know, be, be willing to accept the fact that maybe what they really need is a retirement home. Yeah. And for a lot of people, um, having a steadier horse that's been around and done that actually can be an easier horse to add to your life than a newbie that still thinks that the world is terrifying. Absolutely. Yeah. It has been, it has been really nice. (laughs) So now some hard questions. So obviously Frankie's 21 now. Um, how many years are we expecting to have out of Frankie or have you even thought about that? I have no idea. I mean, with good care, hopefully she can live into her thirties. I don't expect her to be, you know, sound and rideable into her thirties. So I just, when I took her in, I, my expectation was I'll keep her until, you know, until the end of her life. So she just needs a pastor to live in. That's what she'll get. So I was going to ask you, yeah, what kind of boarding situation uh, do you have for her? So is it pasture? Is it stall? Like what's going on with Frankie in her new life? Yep. So she is on pasture board. So she's out all the time, which is what she was used to um, at Rutgers. She loves to be out. Um, Doesn't particularly like to be in a stall. So it works well for her. Um, It's funny. She was, as long as I've known her, she's never been blanketed. Um, And she's always been fine and healthy, but she was a little bit skinny when I got her. So going into the first winter, I was like, hmm, I think I'm going to need to blanket her just until she puts the weight back on. So now, a couple months later, I own four blankets for this horse. (laughs) I did not intend on blanketing her at all. (laughs) So wait, did you get carried away and now you're like, oh, a new pretty color? Or do you have (laughs) one for every range of temperature? Um, I have the first one I got was a midweight, which I was just looking for a sheet, but I kind of needed it on quick notice. So I got her a midweight and then I got a sheet as soon as I could, but it didn't fit quite right. So I had to go get another one. And, um, my mother had a, has a horse and she had one that didn't fit her horse. So she offered me that one too. So now I have quite the blanket and sheet collection. All right. So how did, <laughs> does Frankie like wearing a blanket? She doesn't seem to mind. So Laura, I have to ask, since uh, Frankie helped you out with getting your master's degree and was, a, Frankie's a serious researcher now, right? So she's a pro. What did Frankie help teach us? So what information did Frankie acquire from uh, your research project that we should share with our listeners? Absolutely. Yeah. So Frankie and her uh, colleagues helped us learn about the differences between rotational and continuous grazing um, in the Northeast, New Jersey climate. So we actually, we looked at a lot of different things. We looked at the vegetation condition. So unsurprisingly, the, uh, the pasture quality for the rotational fields were better than the continuous fields. Um, We looked at horse condition And this was a little bit surprising, but the horses that were out on pasture all year long, the continuous grazers, they actually gained more weight than the horses on rotational system. So that was sort of a interesting um, explanation. And we sort of chalked that up to the fact that both sets of horses got hay all winter. 
but the uh, rotational horses, of which Frankie was one, uh, were confined to a stress lot for the winter, so they had no access to pasture, while the continuous horses had access to both their hay and whatever pasture they could scrounge up during the winter. So we thought that might have had something to do with it. Well, yeah, I would say um, for my horses, even here in, in Oklahoma, I keep them on a sacrifice lot in the winter, but then for every so often I turn them out onto their big field because they'll run and get exercise. So it's kind of my lazy way of making sure they stay somewhat fit because <laughs> they go tearing around when I let them out, but they will scrounge, even though everything's dormant. Uh, once their zoomies are done, they're like, I will find whatever tiny bit of green that is out here. So I've seen even in New Jersey, as soon as those little blades of grass came up that they were on them. Yeah. And, you know, as we were doing our sampling all winter, you know, we, we took our forage samples all winter and we were doing clippings. And when we got down to the ground, there was definitely still green there. So there was something for them to eat, not a ton of it, but there was still some green out there under the brown. So, but unfortunately, poor Frankie did not get the opportunity, huh? <laughs> That's all right. She got real fat over the summer. <laughs> <laughs> so I bet you, so on your project, the first day they got turned out, were they pretty happy? Did oh my gosh. We have pictures of them all just ripping around the fields. They were so excited. <laughs> That's funny. I think Frankie's group ripped around for maybe five minutes and then they just dropped their heads and didn't pick them up again for like a day. <laughs> Well, I think that's really interesting uh, to hear again. And our point wasn't really to get into the, the research so much, but how valuable those university horses can be. Like we need them to be able to provide answers to owners about uh, best practices. Um, so, so certainly if folks are um, interested, you could always reach out to your local institution. And uh, again, a lot of equine research, like you said, they learned how to, or ate out of different feeders for heaven's sake. So this isn't really like, <laughs> not a lot of horse torture involved with that. Yeah, no, they, they kind of liked it. <laughs> well, I really appreciate um, you visiting with us because I think it's such a unique story um, that a lot of people just don't consider. Yeah, you can take in those older horses and with good care, my goodness, we've extended their lifespan uh, so much these days. And it certainly doesn't sound like for you that, teaching a horse to be ridden at the age of 21 has been a big issue at all. No, not at all. Well, do you have any other final thoughts or things you'd like to say about Frankie? I'm just very, um, very thankful to Carrie and everybody at Rutgers for taking such good care of her for so long so that I can now enjoy her for however much longer. Well, I'm sure you will have many more good years ahead of you and some happy trails. And I'm uh, mostly curious, you're going to have to come back and, and tell us someday how riding the trot on your uh, standard bread goes and it <laughs> get there fast. Yeah, I'll let you know. It's going to be, it's going to be fun. Well, thanks again, Laura. And that has been our Tech Box Talk, Horse Stories with a